This is Blurring the Lines with Adam Bell and Peter Nicolaitis, IT entrepreneurs. Adam and Peter take on the topics of technology, business, life, and the pursuit of happiness and blur them together in the 21st century. Episode 30. Seth Thompson joins us on the show to discuss ethical hacking. Peter kills yet another fitness tracker. We talk about penetration testing and why it should be done. For kicks, Adam brings up some common movie hacker phrases. Good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, and welcome to Blurring the Lines podcast. I'm your co-host, and joining me is my co-host, Peter Nicolaitis. Hey, Peter. Great to be here. (laughs) All right, and joining me with Peter today is Seth Thompson. Hey, Seth. Hey, it's a pleasure to be aboard. Um, my name's Seth Thompson, as Adam said, and uh, I'm a employee at Sublime Computer Services, and uh, we try to make and protect all your data. <laughs> well, <laughs> yep, yeah. Seth has been uh, you've been working with us over a year. Uh, so at May, well, I don't remember. Like full time was June, but then there was the Robert Half stint and getting close to two years so pretty cool <laughs> indeed so what uh what what's going on new with you peter well let me uh refer to the show notes so i can tell you oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see the biggest newest change is i am officially now off the slow carb diet okay and i have moved to the mediterranean diet Okay. Well, yeah, you're so, not you're not chunking up that I can tell. No, actually, today I was an even 163 pounds, which <laughs> is pretty much uh, within four pounds of my all-time low as an adult, <laughs> and pretty much a low for as long as I've been using uh, my fitness pal, uh, which which goes back to I don't remember now how long, but I'm closing in on a thousand days unbroken, logged every day, every meal, every snack. All my exercise, etc. Oh, wow. So, you talk about a bunch of data that you want to uh, hack. There, there you go. There's some can... good data. <laughs> I I believe I weighed 163 pounds when I was a uh, junior well, in high school, and no, it, it was it was one it was one evening. You know, I just went straight yeah. past it. <laughs> <laughs> As you were bulking up. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. my whole life is a bulk up phase. Bulk up phase. <laughs> That's right. That's good. Yeah. So um, no no significant shifts. Um, if you're curious about the diet, uh, yeah, I mean you can look it up on on Google, Wikipedia easily enough. But essentially, uh, the main differences uh, from uh, slow carb and Mediterranean are that fruits and grains are allowed okay. in the Mediterranean diet, whereas they are banned in um, slow carb. So and there's also no official like you know cheat day binging type stuff like that that you find on slow carb diet, um, but you know it's a uh, lean lean proteins uh, regularly eat fish and poultry whole grains are good olives olive oil you know being that my father came from Athens that well, makes sense <laughs> yeah. fits right into mine you know uh, my diet already and. Um, 
not a lot of uh, red meats, not a lot of sweets, which is fine. That's one of the differences too. I mean, I would go through phases when I was in the the slow carb diet where I would do a lot of red meats at a time, you know, just getting a hankering and buy a few pounds of meat and then I just chip away at that over the course of several days where that was my main protein source. Mm-hmm. But um, I did notice one thing is that my daily caloric intake is up measurably. Whereas it used to, you know, I was generally taking in around 1800 a day, 1800 calories, not accounting for exercise. So that would be like my base. Um, Since switching over, I've been taking in about four or 500 extra calories every day. And yet the initial signs are that I actually have lost a little bit of weight. Nice. So that just goes to support the theory that, you know, it's not the just the the regular calories is not a true indicator you know so like calories from beef calories from vodka calories from yogurt and calories from tomatoes are not all the same yeah yeah so i used to tell people that when i was doing you know specific caloric restriction uh, diets and eating specific foods and they're like well why don't you just eat a hamburger and, you know and you know just not eat that much i'm like because it's different and they're like well does it really matter i said here's a challenge for you for one week, I want you to eat nothing but bread. And I want you to get exactly 2,000 calories of uh, your uh, you know, calories from bread for a week and eat absolutely nothing else. You can drink water, but that's it. And then the following week, I want you to eat nothing but milk. <laughs> yeah. I want to get all of your calories from just milk. And then the following week... Here's the fun one. Get 2,000 calories a day from nothing but spinach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then the next week, do That's bacon. That's a s- salad shooter. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and I said, and at the end of, of even one day of just doing that, if you can come back to me and tell me that the only thing that matters is the calorie count, um, you're lying. <laughs> and the funny thing is no one has ever taken me up on that <laughs> yeah why. well you know we as uh americans and i say this in a general statement are are lazy and the calorie count is the probably the easiest metric just to record just because it gives them something to monitor rather than plain old food pyramid or anything like yep. that it's that's way too difficult to have a balanced right. diet yep and the the mediterranean diet is structured in a pyramid you know they show things like meats and sweets at the top very infrequently mm-hmm. um they also like slow carb uh they say have a glass of red wine every day mm-hmm. that's included um i have been tweaking that a little bit i've been having beer um not every day but every couple of days also mm-hmm. again you know, th- this may become this Mediterranean's diet, not <laughs> yeah. the Mediterranean diet, again, yeah. really quickly. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 uh, the German and Greek diet, and, uh, you know, that's working for me. Isn't, so. isn't whatever you eat a Mediterranean diet? It is now. <laughs> At least halfway. It's the half Mediterranean It's the half diet. Mediterranean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. That's, uh, that, that's, there's that. Um, as we like to talk about fitness trackers and things, um, my Jawbone Up 3 is in the box getting ready to ship back <laughs> because the band has broken on it. Um, a, a similar thing happened to two of my Microsoft bands. 
but this was on the other side. So the two Microsoft bands broke on like what would be the left side, and the Jawbone mm-hmm. broke on the right side. I know so, why they. I know why they break. I saw you punch last week. They're <laughs> it, they're they're leaving your body because there's too much trauma happening to the uh, the tracker. So yeah, I need I need some other I need some kind of fitness tracker that can actually uh, you know take some abuse. I don't think anybody's taking one that can do that. Yeah. So, you know, I've I mean, got, I've still got my Fitbit. I haven't had, I'm, I mean, I do act, I mean, I do the CrossFit with it, but I don't do Krav Maga like you, so I'm not doing like you don't punch, punch. I don't punch things, or so get punched. yeah, or get punched. So it's not as bad. <laughs> yep. But have you tried a Fitbit? Not yet. I'm looking at them next. Hey, you might uh, as well. I, You've tried everything else. <laughs> well, next, actually, I need to get to a jewelry store this weekend because I need to get my ring finger sized up because my next one that I'm trying is a bio ring. And that is a tracker. It's a uh, Kickstarter project huh. that I found. And it is. it claims to do all the same stuff, you know, heart rate, active heart rate, step counter. But also what this one boasts is automatically based on your metabolic changes measuring your caloric intake and your nutrition intake of food that you take in (laughs) i don't remember exactly what they claim but it's made in sweden so it must be true right (laughs) yeah yeah it was on the internet it's true i read it on the internet oh it was indiegogo too it wasn't kickstarter i'm getting all these things wrong and now it's probably switzerland not sweden i don't know but um Anyway, I did uh, I did order one of those, and uh, they have raised uh, almost three quarters of a million dollars, seven hundred thirty three thousand um, nice. since since August. So, and they are, and yes, they are in Stockholm, so it is Sweden. Cool. So yeah, so that'll be uh, that'll be fun or super annoying to play with. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, because they they do. I mean, it's just like I've I've had. I've had I had the Misfit, I had the Move now, uh, Misfit Shine, the Move now, the Band two and the Up three, and I had a Garmin one, but the only uh, heart rate monitor was the chest thing, and I'm like, no, 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 it has to be wrist only. Yeah. So um, you know, I've gone through four or five of these. This will be my sixth one. Maybe six times a charm. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Whereas a friend of mine sent me a note and said that the Apple Watch actually boasts the most accurate um, out of all the mainstream ones. So it's the most accurate heart rate and um, uh, step counter out on the market. Well, and the number, and the, it's waterproof. The number two is waterproof. It's waterproof, so it means it's probably sweatproof, but I don't think it's punchproof. No. And it's <laughs> so, big. It is too big. Yeah, yeah, I don't want. I there, there's a guy like one of the guys who was in my class was wearing one a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> like, dude, you, you can't wear that when we're doing this technique. <laughs> yeah, we're doing, we're doing punch defenses, and it was just straight punch defenses. So you know, I put up my hands. Of course, the listeners can't see this because you're only listening. You know, one of these days we'll have to do a video podcast. But basically, <laughs> yeah. a straight punch comes straight down the middle, and the defense is just you know, you just put your hand in. You're not actually like hard block trying to swap it to the side you just push into where it's coming mm-hmm. and that results in a nice you know deflection mm-hmm. and it results in a nice catch when the guy punching is wearing a big bulky clunky thing that's even bigger than this yeah or so, it takes a hunk of skin off of you or both <laughs> yeah 
The punch did not connect. The Apple Watch did connect. Yeah. Oh, so you did get it, huh? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I caught it. I blocked the punch, but I caught the watch. And uh, you also mentioned, I didn't want to try it on your uh, thing, but since you mentioned television, I have been watching uh, Westworld. With Yul Brenner? Yeah. Uh, no, I haven't watched that yet, but I did download it, and I'm ready. Uh, that's queued up for this evening. I do want to oh, watch the original. I have not ever ever seen that. Yeah, you should, or you should watch it. I mean, it's uh, of course it was in the 70s. I think it was 70s 73. or 73. 73. Yeah, uh, it, it it's definitely. I I remember watching it as a kid, and I was like, man, this is weird. This is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm really enjoying the new HBO series so far. It's it's pretty good. I mean, most of the stuff that HBO is doing, you know, their original series, I enjoy a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm 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 curious to see what it's like. It's always it's interesting to go back and see the originals, and then I, of course I have to go back and watch the new series again to see if there are any nods to the original that I didn't uh, catch. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> um, on that note, too, uh, a week or two ago, I went and saw the new um, Magnificent Seven movie. Okay. And, uh, that, was, that was enjoyable. I like that. Uh, I was a fan of the original, and by the original, I mean the uh, Kurosawa movie, mm-hmm. uh, The Seven Samurai. Okay. Which was the basis for the 1960s the Magnificent Seven, which was the basis for the 2016 Magnificent Seven. So, cool. but it was it was enjoyable. Cool. What have you been up to? So I've been well for the past few weeks. I've been watching Breaking Bad. Of course, that's you know that's old now. I mean that's three years ago. <laughs> I mean that's what the series ended three years ago. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I was hosting another podcast back then. Yeah. <laughs> You probably talked about it when it was up and coming, uh, but that's been it, well. It's been fun and it's been interesting, you know, because it is. Uh, I don't know. There's times when it, the characters make you sad, <laughs> you know. You're like, oh, well. I so mean, what, what it, are you in? Uh, I am in season three, and I, I think it's. I do think it's interesting, and I, I and I don't know. I, maybe because I'm watching it in series, you know, rather than over five years mm-hmm. you know the yeah so the the gradual degradation of character and how how easy it is for people that say that they're a good person to do bad things and become more and more and more and you know you it's like the, you're like okay i see how a person could a good kid could turn into somebody despicable you know mm-hmm. and it's like it's not it didn't happen overnight <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I loved that show. The only the only two complaints I had of it were the scenes where he is perplexed about something mm-hmm. where he just kind of like sits there with his mouth open for <laughs> ever. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he did that in the very first scene, like when the fire trucks are coming by mm-hmm. and he's out in the desert and he's just kind of like, you know, standing there and staring. That happens over and over again. And I'm like, dude, no human being would stand there that long with your mouth wide open, just like, <laughs> you know, saying that. So I didn't like those. And um, the uh, scenes where the actress who plays his wife is very clearly pregnant in real life. <laughs> that, yeah. that hap- I don't know if that was season three or later, um, but those were like distracting because it's just like, she looks like she weighs 50 pounds more. It's quite, you know, <laughs> but, but the character she's playing is not supposed to be pregnant at that time. Yeah. You know? And I was just like, you guys screwed up the sequencing. Yeah. 
So, well, other than that, I thought it was great. And I think the friendship, well, of course, the the father-son dynamic between the two of them is, yep. in, you know, is, of course, interesting. And it's it's very indicative of men who are not, you know, not in touch with their emotional side at all. And, you know, that is kind of, it's, I think it's overly, uh, I don't know, overly accentuated, maybe. To, what do you mean, to... bitch? <laughs> 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 to, yeah. So, but it's like, after you've been through that much stuff together, it seems like the friendship would uh, come around a little bit faster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. but anyway. Oh, and, cool. uh, but I did want to bring... Yeah, we have another. Oh, you, you want to go ahead? Go ahead. Well, well, I just wanted to bring up that you know we've still got listeners in the UK. So I, I mean, you said you had a friend over there. Uh, about half of our listeners are in the UK now. Well, awesome. Doesn't tell me. It got doesn't tell friends over there. <laughs> it doesn't tell me what city. Uh, like right. in in the US analytics, I can see the cities, but I can't see the cities ah. over uh, cities over there. Must be so, some kind of uh, European Union privacy laws. Once Brexit goes through, we'll be able to tell everything. <laughs> yeah. Taps right into the uh, MI5 databases and stuff. <laughs> Great. So either we're a joke over there or, you know, listen to these idiots. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure we are a joke over there, but that's okay. No. Every now and then we're self-deprecating over here too, so that's cool. <laughs> Seth, we have something else to talk about. Like you can, you can tell us what you're up to these days. Well, I can tell you, I loved Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad was a fantastic series. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as what I've been up to here lately, as far as activities outside of work, um, I do a lot of. Um, this is going to sound like complete nerd level, but um, I do a lot of uh, multi. Massively multiplayer online games, which is more Yeah, MMO. And I'll be honest, I only play one, but the one that I play is the oldest one around, and that's Fantasy Star Online. And what makes it so interesting is they don't even have a North American release. I have to actually translate all of the Japanese over to English text files by like implant, like pulling the databases and putting English back in just to play. And I play with a pretty strong community that's from all over the world. You know, I remember when I was at an age where I had that sort of interest and determination to do things like that. But (laughs) I don't remember when it was. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was was heavy into EverQuest, but I think this was before EverQuest, right? Yeah, this was uh, originally came out on the Dreamcast. It had a uh, 56K line on the Dreamcast, which was one of the first online consoles. And um, playing back then was a lot different than it is now. Um, internet speeds have gone up substantially. So that that's, <laughs> that's a lot better. Mm-hmm. And then, um, of course, you know, now it's on the PC and it's on a few consoles as well, but... I only play the PC because that's the the only one available that I can actually tweak and change around. So that's you, um. Why that's didn't what you I just did. Why didn't you just learn Japanese? Well, um, to be honest, that is very complicated. I've been trying <laughs> to learn Japanese ever since I was in seventh grade, 
and I, I've taken professional courses, but the the real problem is is I don't have any conversational partners. That so makes it difficult. Uh... That does make it. Well, I know a little. I mean, it's not like it's all lost. I can ask you what time it is pretty well. Iman? <laughs> Nanji Desca. Nanji Desca. Nice. Yeah. Peter's doing better than I am. <laughs> I, I was I was in Japan for a while. <laughs> I can't read it though. I was pretty much illiterate. Yeah. 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 Could read okay. uh, when I was there I could read all of the kana um and but just a very small handful of kanji. So that was uh that was rough. Did they still have pictures of males and females on the restrooms? Oh yeah. The, I, then I'd be okay. <laughs> 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 I was it was pretty good. And and most people there spoke English. My my I don't know if I've told this story on the podcast, but but uh the time when I decided that my Japanese was passable that I would be able to survive over there was when I had an allergic reaction to some fruit that I had eaten and I was able to strictly in Japanese find directions to a pharmacy get to the pharmacy, explain to the pharmacist the symptoms of what was going on and what I had eaten to cause it, and get a prescription for medicine to fix that. And I did all that, all in Japanese. And after about 10 minutes, you know, my breathing started to get back to normal. The pharmacist says to me in perfect English, your Japanese is very good. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you... Sure, did a great job prescribing this medicine for me. <laughs> Thank you for saving my life. Thank you for making me earn it. <laughs> yeah. Oh man! So, and yeah, so was... Seth, are you going to describe your hot chicken diet? Well, my hot chicken diet <laughs> consists of eating uh, hot chicken about three to four times a week, probably, probably somewhere around that number. You know, I've I know a lot of people in my peers my circle of peers that do what you do peter as far as like counting calories and you know actually keeping up with it mm -hmm. but i'll be honest i've weighed probably about 150 to 160 my entire life yep. and i eat everything i see i mean as far as you know okay. what's available to me that i like yeah. i was gonna <laughs> say yeah. that's not true yeah. <laughs> If green things. Yeah, <laughs> if it's something I've already approved, I eat as much of it of it as I can, and a lot. Like I guess you could consider my diet uh, to be pretty much strictly carnivorous. Mm. I mean, I eat some things that aren't meat, but very few things. Well, but I think sauces that go on meat, right? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, sure, absolutely. Barbecue I'm sure sauce. <laughs> I'm sure there's um, calories in that, right? Yeah, <laughs> there, are, there are calories in those. Those count. Oh, okay. So if you eat it, that's a calorie. So I, I'm starting to learn. <laughs> <laughs> so, calorie. so now, Seth, do you do you eat hot, hot stuff like <laughs> hot, hot stuff? Well, yeah. I mean, it, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Sometimes. I like it just a little bit more mild, and sometimes depends on the sinuses. I like yeah. it really, really hot if I'm having some sinus trouble. So Peter and I went to 400 degrees hot chicken, mm. and 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 I had I had the 400. No, 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 no. I had the baby. I had the 200. Yeah. I had the half degrees, yeah. and it made me cry. It. <laughs> 
<laughs> it made my nose run. It, yeah. This is a family. This is a family-friendly yeah. podcast. So yeah. Be it, careful how much detail you go into here. It upset. Yeah. It upset my tummy. <laughs> we'll leave it at yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> That's next, putting it a lot more mildly than the reaction you had. The next day, it upset my stomach for at least until about noon the next day. Uh, and Peter got the. Was it the seven hundred? Or was it? Uh, it was eight hundred. Eight hundred. Yep. So she said. I, I got the two, four, and the eight. So he wanted to try all of them, and yep. she said, or he asked her. He said, "Well, what does it taste like?" And she says, "This is the woman. I mean, this is her restaurant." She says, "I don't know. I don't eat that. <laughs> <laughs> That's too hot. That's for crazy people. That's for crazy people. <laughs> you think I'm gonna put that in my mouth." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And, uh, and, man, I'm, I'm, he's got a video, actually, I just what, sent it to you again. did you send it to me again? Okay, we'll put it back out on the, uh, on this show yeah. note, but he's got the actual eating of the, the three different hot chickens, and, uh, he's a trooper, man, he can eat, eat fire. <laughs> he's, he said in the morning, he said, you know, I did have what I think was heartburn. <laughs> it's the only time I've ever had heartburn. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know what heartburn was like, and uh, I woke up in the you know in the middle well not in the middle of the night but it was around 10 p.m. Nashville time so um, you know it was around 11 o'clock my time that I would be used to, and I like just like there was this pain and I was like what's going on and yeah so this this must be heartburn I said maybe I can get something and I got up and of course like every drugstore nearby was to, was closed so jeez <laughs> like, and then uh, i went downstairs and uh, there was a you know party going on down one of the bars and matt was there and i hung out with him and talked for a few minutes and i felt fine <laughs> like, all right so i went back home went back to bed an hour later woke up same thing again and i was like all right so i basically slept sitting up for a while because if i stayed vertical it seemed like i was okay and in the morning i was fine <laughs> So he's got a steel gut. So, well, <laughs> all right. So we've we've chatted quite a bit now. Now we wanted to hit on. Ethic. Wait, now it's time to actually start the podcast. Yeah, now it's time to start the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to. I hope you've been recording because I forgot to start it on my end. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm recording. I'm good. That's so, good. I, I, all I, right. <laughs> so we're going to talk about ethical hacking. Um, and that's not an oxymoron, even though it kind of sounds it, but it's not. <laughs> so, uh, Peter, you've, you, you are involved in some groups. How would, uh, how would you define ethical hacking? Ethical hacking? I would call that, um, anything that you, here's the difference that most people, and I don't want to get into the dis, you know, the the distinction of like hacking, like people who are just like like to fiddle with things and stuff like that. We're talking about when we say hacking in this context of this show, it's people who are breaking into computer systems. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we do that. Um, the difference between black hat ha hacking, which is the bad guys, and white hat hacking, which is the good guys, is one thing: permission. Mm -hmm. That's it. Mm -hmm. So it comes down to permission. If I am getting paid by somebody who says, hack me, <laughs> that is ethical hacking. If I am doing it for any other reason or if I am getting paid by somebody else who says, hack them, mm -hmm. 
that is not ethical hacking. That is just plain old hacking or bad hacking. Yeah. That's how I would decide, define it. In one word, permission. 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 There you go. Well, and, you know, there's there's a whole industry out there, part of IT, that's uh, penetration testing. And mm-hmm. penetration testing is one thing. Uh, hacking is is goes beyond the penetration testing alone it's a lot a lot more involved um what groups are you involved in uh well i belong to several security meetup groups uh i also have several professional certifications in information security uh the one that most closely aligns with this would be the um uh, SANS uh, GIAC uh, Certified Incident Handler. Mm-hmm. And hacking, offensive hacking is usually known, or pen testing is usually known as red teaming or red teams in the industry. Mm-hmm. And the defensive guys who are like scrambling to try to put out the fires and keep everybody safe is uh, tends to be blue teams. And uh, that class that I took, they call it a purple team course because <laughs> it's a little of both. Uh-huh. You know, it's not it's not purely one or the other because you learn the offensive techniques in order to be able to defend against them, and then you learn techniques on you know how you can defend against them. Mm-hmm. Whereas there are other you know uh, certifications and training that are strictly just offensive go attack yeah um and up until this point all of my training uh, security you know pure security training had been all blue team all defensive stuff okay whether it was auditing or firewall and perimeter protection or uh, even not even defensive stuff but uh, forensics so doing yeah. investigations after the fact so um, that's uh, that's that's what I what I do. But I, I go to um, several meetups in the Boston area. One of them is the uh, Boston Cali Linux Users Meetup, and Cali is a specific distribution of the Linux operating system. Mm-hmm. And if you're technical, you know what that means. If you aren't technical but you've listened to a few episodes back, you should still know what Linux means. <laughs> yeah. as we covered that here. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is a distribution of Linux, um, a version of Linux, you could say, to the, to the layman, uh, geared towards uh, hacking and hacking tools. It bundles all of these tools that you might want in a penetration test in one easy-to-install uh, accessible package. Yeah. So and that in this meetup, essentially every month they have a meetup and they pick one tool in it and they dive into it. Mm-hmm. Well, and and what you're describing is really the hardest part. Defending against hacking is way harder than being hacking. I'm I'm not belittling that by any means, but it's a lot easier to break stuff than it is to keep it working. <laughs> you know? yeah. oh, like yeah. like I was fooling yeah. around with Cali, uh, and I was trying to hack my wireless, just trying to mess with the tools. Well, I could bring down my wireless much easier than I could actually get in, hack the, hack the, uh, find out what the SSI, well, I could find the SSID, but finding out what the passcode was, but I could bring it down easily, you know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, there have been a number of times when we have, uh, you know, a client, we got a call and they didn't have access to uh, a, a Windows workstation. And they're like, well, we, we think the password might be this. Okay, we're going to try this. No, we're going to try this. No, okay, never mind. We'll just reset the password. Yeah. We boot off of a bootable Linux CD that just blanks out the administrator password. There we go. We just hacked our way into the system. Perfectly legitimate. You know, we had permission. We were doing everything. It was all above board. It was 
for the client who owned their system, but you could say we hacked our way into the system because they <laughs> yeah. locked themselves out. Uh-huh. Uh, it's not unlike, uh, you know, I've had to pick my own locks to get back into my house when I locked myself out once. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> okay. I did promptly go and upgrade the locks after that so that I can't do that anymore. But uh, <laughs> it was an experience. Well, and we hit up the NT password reset disk every once that's, in a while and that's the one <laughs> yeah. very 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 useful one of my favorite uh my, one of my favorite linux distributions yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right after ubuntu <laughs> so okay um well and any anything you want to talk about on cali or any of that kind of stuff we can just nail that um one of the one of the parts of hacking well, this is, I guess it's spear phishing is, is hacking, but it's, it's breaking into systems and computers using people and uh, modern day con men. <laughs> mm-hmm. You want to talk about that? Me or Seth? I can talk about that. But the, the con man is the oldest uh, play in the book. I mean, just when you break right down to it, I read when I was... Uh, still back in middle school, one of uh, one of the best books around still, I believe, would be The Art of Deception. And that was written by uh, Kevin Mitnick, which is one of the the leading, you know, the people that ha- has been in that field for just about ever, almost made it. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, the, there's a thing I like to, to call, call trust circles. It's people or or technologies that you already trust. Mm-hmm. And spear phishing essentially is identifying who would who would be somebody you currently already trust that's like one removed from the person you're trying to hack. Mm-hmm. So in this case, if you want, you know, a whole bunch of money to be sent to an account that, you know, <laughs> is yours and not theirs, but you you could say manipulate um, someone's assistant to a CEO mm-hmm. it is a very, very prime example of this. And if you could emulate the behavior, or the you know, t- of the CEO to the assistant, and actually you know fool the assistant to think that you are the CEO, you could send them anything you want and be like, you could start issuing requests for anything. Mm-hmm. So that that con man trick has been around really long time and it works a lot like that in technology too because if you disguise your protocols to look like other already trusted protocols how is one to know mm-hmm. that's and what about uh, you know we get nigerian uh email scams all the time <laughs> uh, they still exist Oh, they still exist. I will include in the episode of show notes, a friend of mine just uh, forwarded me a phenomenal TED talk on <laughs> responding to one of these uh, one of these scams. It was absolutely hilarious. Mm-hmm. Super entertaining. It's, it's just amazing. So I will definitely include that. Well, and we, t- we talked about this in other episodes, but I've had two clients that have actually sent money, like done a wire yeah. transfer that they mm-hmm. got a and it was based on an email the email looked like it was coming from the owner of the company telling them to wire tr- wire money to somebody else and mm-hmm. they do that often enough and, and you can guess the company size that would do that i mean you're like okay this is about a 10 million dollar company they probably wire money 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow, that was tough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, we had, uh, and we've also mentioned this on the show, but um, one of our colleagues in Texas had a client who wired like forty or fifty thousand mm-hmm. uh, dollars to somebody, and you know, then they wanted to ask him, like, you know, how could this happen? <laughs> like, uh, well, you you guys kind of made it happen. Yeah. <laughs> well, it looked like it was from their email address. Like, yeah, exactly. Till you hovered over it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, CEO doesn't use Yahoo.com as his primary email address. What do you mean? Oh. Uh, <laughs> you. Oh, we boy. we have a. We're not going to talk about it. We have a client that actually does use Yahoo <laughs> as their mail. <laughs> Yeah, I believe that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, um, one of the things that I wanted to... So, if you're a good hacker and you uh, break some law, you uh, those guys get uh, recruited by the FBI or... <laughs> <laughs> sometimes. Sometimes. I just don't think that's a wise move. <laughs> you know... Uh, the 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 verdict is uh, the the decision is split on that one. You know, yeah. um, uh, some people clean up their acts, some people don't. Um, you mentioned Seth. You mentioned Kevin Mitnick. Uh, isn't his latest thing where he's uh, selling exploits to the highest bidder now? <laughs> I mean, he might he might be. I I've yeah. not done any uh, recent reading uh, yeah. of his whereabouts, but I would believe it. I mean, yeah. some people fall back on what they're old habits were yep. and that was an old habit for him i mean he he used to play ta- tag with the the people chasing him mm-hmm. and he thought that was like a you know a power move being yep. like catch me if you can yep. type <laughs> deal well and everybody's got a number everybody's got a number i mean generally speaking where that number is what they would be willing to cross the line to get and you're going to put somebody in that situation. It's almost like they're giving a drunk a drink, you know? <laughs> well, we'll just set this, you know, we know you're an alcoholic, but we're just going to set this bottle over here. Don't cross, don't get up from your desk and go drink it. <laughs> wow, I could see how somebody's hacking into this bank and they're just like, they're like one or two characters off from being in. Huh. <laughs> characters, huh? One oh. or two characters. I I just so happen to have a a pretty host daddy server here that could hack, <laughs> <laughs> could finish that algorithm out. <laughs> Doesn't quite work like that, but no, yeah, close no. enough. Close enough, <laughs> close yeah. Enough. Yeah, because if you're working on the last two, a lot of times if you get the first two, you're in. Just like WEP. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you get those first two, you're it's over. Yeah. Okay, so sometimes it does happen like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not usually. Not usually. In it's the past, when you're, when, you're, when you're watching TV and they're showing how you know, like I've got the I've got the first six characters of the password. I'm just getting the last two. Okay, no, it it does not work like that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I mean, of course, there's movies about hacking and all that jazz, and of course, it's sensationalized. Um, uh, but from your experience, can somebody just boot up Cali and just start hacking? Uh, depends on what you mean by hacking and what they would be hacking. But in in short, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, to a degree, but... Yeah, I mean, it depends what, what do you mean by hacking, and what are they going to start using, and, you know, like, what... Somebody, do they have any skill at all? Are they a complete idiot and they don't know how to use a computer? Or, you know, are we talking about a system administrator who's never actually done offensive pen testing or anything but knows Linux pretty well, uh, you know, depends. Yeah. You could absolutely, anybody could fire it up and start doing some reconnaissance mm -hmm. and evaluating things and, you know, scanning networks and finding out what's, you know, what's there and stuff. Sure. And if yeah. you read the documentation on the social engineering toolkit, it's pretty easy to start crafting, uh, you know, spear phishing emails. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, for for me, I I fired up Cali, and there's a I, there was a lot of tools available to me, and but at the same time, I couldn't just open out of the box and kick in. You had to know some things, and there were questions that I had to f figure out and Google and like, okay, well, how do I use this program? You know, because I'm okay with Linux, but I'm I wouldn't say that I'm a I'm not ready to be hired as a system admin for Linux. Mm -hmm. with you know unless it was very specific but so there's a lot of, i mean there's there's something to it you got to have intelligence to do it beyond just you know because a lot of people talk about the script kiddies that don't know jack but they can run scripts I'm like well yes and no they got to know something you can't yeah. just yeah <laughs> Uh, well, there have been cases. Um, I mean, in the in the mid to uh, in the mid '90s, there was uh, the ping of death was discovered. Oh yeah. And you know anybody who you know they I think I don't even remember now, but I'm pretty sure people released like you know an executable and you or you could compile the code yourself and you just make a ping of a certain size pointed at any number of different you know <laughs> manufacturers' devices on the internet, and if they received that that packet of that size, poof, they just died. Yeah. And um, I remember uh, a kid at, um, I was the network admin for uh, Vermont Technical College, and a kid pointed that at our core router and took <laughs> down the entire college. <laughs> and then went and admitted it. And, you know, he came in and turned himself in. And I don't remember, he was punished in some way. I don't remember if he was expelled, but I think they, like, sent him home for like the rest of the semester or something i don't i don't remember exactly but there was punishment was meted out so. <laughs> we did that well when i worked at jc bradford there were a group of us that were firefighters and we would we would hack each other for fun and mm -hmm. and we did uh one of the guys there i i hooked him up with a ping of death and i put i i made the ping so big what I did is I I don't remember the code now uh, or what what parameters were, but I put the zero like I put a weight on the zero for the ping size mm -hmm. and left it. Went I went away for a while and came back and that was the size ping <laughs> that I sent his computer. Of course, took it took it down. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, dude, what's going on? <laughs> so, that was fun. That was good, good times. <laughs> so, what about a what about a rainbow table? What's that? That's well, a, you're all, all over the place today, aren't you? Oh yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, you know, if you're gonna, you're you're watching uh, Swordfish, they're like, oh yeah, I got the rainbow <laughs> table and I've got the whatever. I'm like. 
whatever. <laughs> that was that was. So, I, I really enjoy that movie. But that's such a crock that he could just sit there at a keyboard and type and get into NSA. Right. <laughs> so that um, you you you're, you just answered the question I was going to ask. Like, did you just like go through and pick a random uh, sample of like terms from the hacker dictionary? Or something? <laughs> yeah. Is that what we're covering today? Jeez. <laughs> oh, if you want the Google definition, it's a pre-computated table for reversing cryptographic hash functions, usually yeah. for cracking password hashes. Mm-hmm. What does that and, mean in English? In English, that means it's a list of basically, it could be any algorithm as far as used for encryption, whether it be MD5 or whatever, but it would be the the hash for basically what would be like a smaller password. So if your password was password on a rainbow table, it would give you not only the the possible password of password, but it would give you its big long signature after it has been encrypted and basically this is rainbow tables are used for if you're already in to an extent that you have all of the raw the, what has been basically encrypted as the password store so mm-hmm. you would have a password store of but you don't know what the password is you just see all of these you know zeros Ones, twos, threes, and letters, alphanumerics, basically. But you don't know what those are, so you would use a rainbow table that may have that hash already there, and that would tell you the actual password. Yeah. So. You I hope that was English enough. <laughs> I understood it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it... it when I was at Bradford, we had uh, BDCs, and this was NT4. We had BDCs sitting out there in every branch office that you could walk up and put loft on it and just let her run. <laughs> see what you could see. <laughs> Which, not, uh, I'm glad that that doesn't work anymore. <laughs> All right. What else? What do you? Those those were my uh, movie terms that that I threw in there about hacking. What else? Uh, what what else? What else is hacking? Or no, no, what, just uh, what what else we want to talk about on hacking? Hacking. Uh, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of different like uh, different things. Like who who should have who should? So so I said there's. Um, the difference between ethical hacking and not so ethical or white hat and black hat hacking is permission. Mm-hmm. Um, why would anybody pay someone else to hack them? <laughs> well, I mean, a lot of, at least now from the business standpoint, the uh, there are a lot of entities that want to know that your system has been penetration tested. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that, uh, well... I don't know that it's a HIPAA compliant thing, but they want at least the HIPAA auditors, like third-party HIPAA auditors, they're wanting to at least be able to say that the system has been penetration tested. And when we do a network and security audit, we do a basic penetration test in that we're looking for listening ports, you know, ways that people could possibly get in without actually doing any hacking. Mm-hmm. So like an intrusion scan, I believe they call it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, red team and pen test exercise is not required by HIPAA. Yeah. Um, it is recommended in um, the NIST 800-53 and <clears throat> um, other frameworks like um, ISO 27002, um, but it's not a HIPAA requirement. And I don't remember if it's a if it's recommended in PCI. I don't think it is. Oh, PC, no. PCI. I yeah, it is. They do. Um, the PCI does also recommend uh, penetration tests too. Section eleven point three. So, yeah. So essentially, answering my own question too, like you know, supplementing what you said, it's it it's, it can be a requirement. Um, if you are a large enough organization to be uh, subject to a bunch of federal regulations or, or PCI, uh, you have to have that. Mm -hmm. But um, why would any, let's say, you know, most of your businesses are smaller firms, you know, most of your, your uh, customers, would they be interested in a penetration test? And if so, why? They, they would. Um, I was going to, well, um, let me come back to that one. When I was at HCA... Um, we had, we had, uh, we had servers that were on the DMZ. We were at internet. We were providing all the websites for all the HCA hospitals throughout. So we, we hired a, a hacker to go through and do a penetration test and see what he could find. Uh, we actually gave him inside access. We didn't give him like passwords, but we did give him access to the LAN as if he got through and what he could get to our servers. And so what we got out of that was we got all the ways that somebody could have gone through our firewall and at the same place looked at our servers in what ways that they needed to be hardened you know, taking away permissions, making sure that certain vulnerabilities and patches, you know, from your uh, surviving a malware attack, patch, 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 you know, making sure that the systems have the appropriate patches on them so that they could be hardened and protected. So now that's big business. Of course, you know, you public facing servers, that's a, you, you would want that. But the small business, you, they've got that mindset. They've got the mindset that, it won't happen to me. There's nothing here that we want. You know, that's just not true. Because, you know, I was joking around. Somebody make a zombie out of it. But there's value in that. You can buy those on the internet. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. I want a zombie network that I want to do something illegal. I want to mm -hmm. send it through the zombie network. Or I want to do a bunch of processing to maybe help me hack a password or, or whatever. And then the... And just recently, um, recently we saw in the news about the huge denial of service attacks that uh, Brian Krebs has been reporting about, mostly because he was subject to a huge DOS attack. And more recently, uh, the uh, DNS host Dyn, uh, Dyn Inc., yeah. they were briefly taken down um, just yesterday and today, as the as we're recording this. Um, by distributed denial of service attacks, and those were, you know, well, I don't know that they've found out exactly yet, but the the reigning reigning theory these days is that these are taken over by Internet of Things devices, you know, things like <laughs> yeah. video cameras, uh, old routers, you know, just things that people not not a computer, 
like not what you would think of as a laptop or a desktop or something on the the network, but some sort of other piece of hardware that people put onto the network, connect to the internet in some fashion, and have no idea that that really is a mini computer with processing power to do stuff. And they often have, you know, really good passwords like, one, two, three, four. <laughs> if, if they're secure, the password might be one, two, three, four, five. <laughs> and if they're really secure, they might be one, two, three, four, five, six. That's right. The, <laughs> you know? the one the other day for the copier I was in was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> oh, that must be a that must be a Konica. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, mm-hmm. no, I've never seen that before. <laughs> Cough. Yeah. <laughs> well, and like you said, you know, every device now is is a computer, and it's yeah. and it's running Linux. I mean, it's yeah. probably running Linux. My TV upstairs is a computer. It's not a. Yeah. It's not tubes and but you know, uh, and and like you said, these hardware programmers. Seth sent me a uh, an article or actually a whole page on hardware you know, taking ownership of hardware and making it do what you want. Uh, Most of those things are encoded with, like you said, very simple passwords because the manufacturer doesn't consider that somebody's going to hack that. They only consider, you know... (laughs) They, they, because the manufacturer does not want to talk to the person who just bought it on the phone. Mm-hmm. Because the instant that they do, they've lost money on that. They don't make any money on that sale. Mm-hmm. So they just don't want to pay the, t- the price of a tech support call. And it's hard for you to type WGX5 hash sign exclamation point comma 12. But it's easy for you to type one two three four when you go to log in, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah. So and and it's much easier to leave the password at one two three four than it is to change it and have to write it down, or remember <laughs> it, or store it in a secure password location, mm-hmm. you know. So people don't bother changing these things. And you know, in their defense, a lot of people don't even know that. Uh, apparently, um, I forget what the brand it is, but a lot of these things are routers that are rebranded and sold by popular ISPs. And most of the times when an ISP sends you a router, they don't give you any login information to these things. They, you know, you're not supposed to. And in fact, often their terms of service forbid you from logging into because, you know, that's considered tampering with their equipment. Mm -hmm. So you're not supposed to and you're not allowed to log in. So, you know, they're not updating these. They're not changing the passwords. They're not updating the firmware. They're just leaving them as they are, which means they're vulnerable and they become armies, you know, part of these millions of computer armies, which are used to take down other, you know, computers on the internet. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, high speed CUS admin. <laughs> oh, Comcast, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. <sighs> so yeah. So anyway, that's uh, that's what's going on there. So so back to my question then. You know, one reason to have a pen test is peace of mind. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like if you hired somebody to, um, you know, put a new lock on your door or you hired someone to, you know, build uh, a building for you and they just hand you the keys and you just kind of 
take it for granted that yeah, all the locks are secure, everything works. Yeah. You know? Or even worse, it's like you hired somebody to lock up your building. Not even to build the building and install the locks, but you just hired someone to go around and make sure all the doors and windows are locked. Yeah. And you just take it, you know, take their word that, yep, I did that. Well, sometimes it'd be nice to go through and check that, mm-hmm. you know, and whether you want to call that an audit or a pen test, because when I do them, I think the line between those two kind of blurs. <laughs> yeah. Hint, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, it's good to it's good to know. So, you know, every now and then it's good to check things. It's good to check the tire pressure on your car every yeah. now and then it's good to just know these things. So that's why, well, that's why I would recommend. That's exactly why we do the security audit. We, we should, I don't know. It probably better even done, be done every quarter, but we do it every six months just to see you know, did I accidentally give permission to somebody who shouldn't be permission? Or did I set a setting? Did I unlock a lock and not lock it back? <laughs> you know, the only way to know is go around and turn the knobs. What what I almost, I'd say pretty much every time. Yeah, almost every audit I do. Not every audit, but almost every audit I do. I find uh, administrator accounts that are left over from previous engagements. Mm-hmm. Contractor was here to do some such and job. They needed an, uh, an administrator account. Mm-hmm. I have even come in and found administrator accounts from previous auditors, which <laughs> just, that, I'm like, no, that is so wrong. An auditor <laughs> is not supposed to change anything. You know, you shouldn't <laughs> be mucking with the, you sure as hell shouldn't be a, a, a uh, an administrator on the system. So leaving, <laughs> but I, that was, that was an earlier engagement. I found a, you know, admin auditor account just lying around. They're like, what is that? I'm like, oh, that was the other firm we used last year. Like, seriously? <laughs> well, to your credit, you called me this time, not them, but yeah. still. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. What else? Seth, you want to bring up anything? Uh, I, I think I, I just want to, I guess, mention the one thing I find to be the most like appalling is some of the, the technology that's available that, that is your hacking assistant, so to speak. Because we, we talk about, you know, gaining access into, you know, a network completely digitally. Some of the, the worst hacks are when you've let somebody through your fr- front door for, like, just say a meeting for, it could just be an interview, and they've had physical access to the facility, and they bring along something, you know, as miniature as, you know, a flash drive. And it could be a rubber ducky, and they, they install it on a computer and... Next thing you know, they did it when they said they went to the restroom, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're in. If you've got physical access to to a device, that, that <laughs> then it's yeah, it it's over. Mm-hmm. I mean, like if they've got physical access to the device, there's nothing that can't be done. <laughs> and, and and I mean the rubber ducky is pretty cool. It's a device that like interacts with the basically it's a. You plug your your keyboard into it, and then it plugs into the the device, and you can emulate a keyboard and have all your scripts on it. But one that's very similar in size would be the one the NSA built, which is called the Cottonmouth, hmm. which will beam an RF signal to wherever wherever you want it to go. It'll relay 
relay the the video feed. It'll be a um, you know um, a recorder for every keystroke you've got, and then of course. It also gives you admin permission in the computer for when the user is not there, too. So I know this technology exists, and it doesn't have to be large in order to be powerful. That, yeah. That's the one thing I know that's, that's most crazy. When I see technology like that, I, you're bewildered because even like knowing all the things I know, I can't tell you how one of those things works. I mean, top to bottom. It may as well just be magic. There are very few humans on the planet who can tell, you know, like the complete workings of any system from top to bottom now these days. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you're talking about the USB. I mean, my USB thing for my mouse, you know, I can just barely grab it to pull it out of there. So it's <laughs> like you said, you could put a USB key on a computer, capture whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah. Well, I was at uh, I was at the data center yesterday, and I was swapping out a drive, and I really had to go to the bathroom. But I was just like, I can't walk away from I, I can't walk away from this cage without locking it up, even though it's a secure building. It's you know, I got but I got some electricians over here doing some work. Somebody could just walk right up to my servers and put a key in. It's like so I just had to wait. Yeah, because you can't take that chance. (laughs) Yeah, and being mindful of it. I mean, most people, I mean, wouldn't even think twice. But, you know, if if you're aware of it, I think education is the strongest tool in this because it's not going to change. You can't can't uncreate this wheel. This wheel's made. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I I had uh, an embarrassing um, uh, incident. Uh, on Monday at the office, I was there working at the hospital, and uh, I had brought my personal Surface, my Microsoft Surface, to use there. And you know, I have it connected up to the guest wireless network, and everything was great. At some point in the recent future, and I don't know when, if, if what happened when I was looking at my display settings, or I applied a Windows update, or it detected a hardware change, or whatnot, it decided that I didn't need a screensaver anymore. <laughs> Turn it off. I had it set to lock after two minutes, and something changed it. And you know, it could have been. I've seen that happen because of remote control programs, like log me in. You know, yeah. we'll, oh, we'll just disable the screensaver. And what you don't realize is that means no, no, we're not disabling it now while we're in this session we're just going to turn it off yeah (laughs) and uh you know so i'm not sure how i can think of a number of reasons it could have happened but uh one of my colleagues you know came i came back to my uh, desk and i just found this little uh piece of paper sitting on my keyboard said had this been an actual attack you would have been pwned (laughs) (laughs) yeah and i was like that is damned embarrassing (laughs) (laughs) well i don't uh i don't ever i always lock mine I never depend upon it. Yeah. I'm old. I, I was lazy. I was lazy at that time, but I, I learned my lesson. Yeah. <laughs> I well, I told you that, you know, back, you know, I, me and these other guys always hacked each other's computers, so now it's just, <laughs> it's reflex. So I, <laughs> I lock it and walk before I ever walk away. The only mm-hmm. exception would be, or the only exception is at my home office. But even then, if I know that I've got something up, I usually lock it. But. Mm-hmm. But even in the office, like when I'm in the office office, I lock it. I don't, I'm sure that I even told Seth, I'm like, dude, even in the office, lock your computer. Yeah, you've told me that before on on really quick 
because I am in the habit of walking it. Mm-hmm. But on that particular instance, I was only gone for a moment, and it was longer than a moment. <laughs> yeah. So I would have been pwned. <laughs> I yep. would have been pwned. <laughs> and I used to, uh, you know, along that lines now, if I, uh, when I was a uh, teacher and I taught computer technology at a vocational center, um, I used to randomly go around to my students and pull the power on their computers. <laughs> I would just randomly because, you know, I told them up front, you know, I will do this and you need to be saving your work as you go. Mm-hmm. And, you know, these days, I guess that would be the modern equivalent of that. You know, it's like, I will be hacking your stuff. I will log <laughs> on to your system and delete your files every now and then if I had to do that again. So I should take a dose of my own medicine there. Yeah. Or so. just encrypt them like every other hacker is doing these days. <laughs> yeah, well, getting. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you want to pass this class? I'm sorry. That'll be two Bitcoin. <laughs> two Bitcoin. <laughs> Digital currency is another fun one. I mean, Mm -hmm. it just really is. It's changed a lot of things that a lot of people probably aren't even privy to. It's just that that's their form of currency. It's completely, you know, anonymous for the most part. You can see what wallet it went from and where it went to, but you can't really assign, you can't really know who the wallet belongs to. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Even when the money is dispersed, it's like, (laughs) there's no idea where that went. It went to a place. <laughs> so how do you get the uh, how do you get the real money out without getting it tracked? Um, or you don't. <laughs> like well, if no, ever... you get money out, um, it, it's it's very complicated. I guess it depends on the the amounts. I'll be honest. I I don't know how it's... people are doing it. It's. I mean, the thing is, Bitcoin is pretty much anonymous, so you're getting the money out. You know, money shows up in your account. You know, like in a real bank account, or maybe it doesn't. You know, maybe maybe you can you can just take you can buy real goods and services with Bitcoin now. Yeah. So yeah. the reason to actually get the money out, um, you know, that's going down. You can Dell computer takes Bitcoin. For example, you know, <laughs> Dell. So um, you can buy stuff there in Bitcoin. There's a lot of other places where you can pay for things in Bitcoin. So number one, you don't necessarily have to get the money out. But if you want, you just take it to a Bitcoin exchange. And, you know, it's like they're not it's not like they're marked bills, so mm-hmm. to speak. So you tell it, you know, like I want to convert this to, you know, this Bitcoin to cash and boom, cash appears in your bank account. So, you know, it's not that big a deal, but, but these days, you know, it's becoming less and less of a need to get the money out in the first place. So once you've got the Bitcoin, you're good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and you know, I hate, uh, I've been like for my lunch, my lunch hour, I've been paying cash just because I don't have to be tracked on every single purchase that I make with mm-hmm. with my credit card or you know of course Google I mean any anything that runs through your email you you all of a sudden get a uh, hey aren't you interested in target <laughs> gift cards yeah. I was gonna say it's okay they're tracking you in other ways don't worry. <laughs> yeah oh you don't you want a target gift card I didn't even go to target no but you ate lunch at Logan's which is right beside target 
<laughs> so we know you're in the area. <laughs> I didn't go to Target. No, but you thought about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You were thinking it. <laughs> it's funny you say Target, because Target is the one, I believe, that will that has successfully predicted women's pregnancies before yep. the e- women even knew. Yep. <laughs> Based on the buying habits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can't tell you exactly what products those are they're buying before they know, but it's got to be something. <laughs> yep. No, that was that was definitely Target. That was uh, I read about that in a couple of different books, I think. Um, and they talked about a, a guy, you know, who was irate with the local Target store and went and, you know, chewed out the manager and how dare you insinuate that my daughter would be pregnant and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then a few months, a few months later, I guess it was pretty big of him. He went to the manager and apologized because he was correct. So, well, cool. Well, I think we've got We've got lots of links in this episode, and we uh, we've got lots of discussion of uh, what's happening. But I think uh, I think we're rounding it out for the day, guys. I think we're good. It was All a right. pleasure to be aboard. I just All wanted right. to say that. It was a good time. Yeah, <laughs> thanks for coming, Seth. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to sign out, but we would like feedback. We'd like your feedback, our listeners. Uh, if you have anything that you want to discuss as a topic in the future, let us know. Uh, drop us a line at www.blurringthelinespodcast.com. Uh, like I said, we'd like to hear from you. So, so, you guys have a good weekend. You too. All right. Indeed. <laughs> to contact either us or our guests, visit blurringthelinespodcast.com. If you like what you're hearing, do us a solid and subscribe to our podcast and leave us a five-star review in iTunes, Google Play Store, or wherever you found us.